Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Would you please join me in our unison prayer for illumination? As we read your word aloud, O God, let the truth of your love for creation seep into our bones. May we hear your echoes of beloved deep within us and respond with overflowing joy. We are here, we are listening. Amen. We turn now to God's word this morning. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. Let us listen to God's word. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Our second scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Now let us pray. O oh Lord, it is your word we need to hear and want to hear. And so we pray that by the grace and power of your spirit, your word might be spoken through these human words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A new student looks out on a sea of strange faces in the high school cafeteria, wondering where should she sit? Which group should she be part of? How will she be accepted? An older man groans in his sickbed. Retirement from his successful law practice had been difficult enough, but now he's felled by long COVID. It leaves him lethargic with nothing to show for his days. Used to accomplishing a lot through his work, now he feels worthless. A middle-aged woman walks down the hallway in her house to look at her daughter's bedroom. 
On the walls and on the bookshelves are pictures and souvenirs of childhood and high school left behind when this youngest daughter set off for college. Now the mother wonders what lies ahead, not just for her daughter, but also for herself. She feels cut adrift, not sure what her purpose is now. A younger man drives towards his hometown. He's been away for two years in a minimum security prison for misappropriating money at work. His time in prison has ended, but he wonders if the true penalty he must bear will be a lifelong sentence. Who are we? What defines us? What is our purpose? Where do we belong? These questions which come to the forefront in adolescence and young adulthood never really go away. Whether we ask them explicitly or only subconsciously, we often look for answers in all the wrong places. Whether it's whether or not we have, or popular, or accepted by our peers, or if we measure it by our work and our achievements, or our roles, the fact that others need us, or our successes and failures, however we might measure them. None of those, none of them, can deliver what we need because none of them last. What we need is to hear the words that Isaiah has to say. In Isaiah 43 that Bruce read a few minutes ago, the prophet speaks to a people bloodied, bruised, beleaguered. They've been sent into exile after their army was routed by the Babylonians and the temple in Jerusalem destroyed, their homes lost. In the last year, we've seen so many images, it doesn't take much to imagine all this. In any case, this people feels abandoned and punished by their God. Indeed, in the preceding chapter, chapter 42, the prophet declared that these disastrous results were not just the consequence of the marauding Babylonian army. They were also the consequence of Israel's arrogance and disobedience. Cut off from their home and community and their sense of being a favored nation with God, these Israelites are having an identity crisis. Who are they? Well, it depends on your point of view. The objective observer might say that they're a tiny, miserable, and insignificant band of uprooted men and women standing on the margins of a hostile empire. The embittered exile living among them Babylonians might say, we are God's ex. We're the rejected lover, the dumped partner, the embarrassing skeleton in God's cupboard. Who are they? The beleaguered Israelites might say, I am the one who has lost my footing, about to be overcome by the rising waters. I am the one surrounded by an out of control fire, about to be destroyed. This is where the people find themselves at the beginning of Isaiah 43. But what flows in these seven verses are some of the most beautiful, tender, affirming, and encouraging verses in all the Bible. Do you think that the Old Testament God is very different from the God revealed in Jesus Christ? Then you haven't been paying attention to Isaiah 43. 
Who are the Israelites? Hear what God has to say, not just to them as a whole, but to them individually. Each of the Hebrew words for you in this passage is singular, not plural. It's as if God is speaking to each one of them individually and personally and to us individually and personally. I am the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You belong to me. Take a moment to hear these words again, except this time, as I read them, put your own names in it and speak it out loud. I am the one who created you, O Carter. No, out loud. I am the one who created you, O I am the one, whoops, I am the one who formed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, Carter. I have called you my name. You belong to me, Carter. At the center of this passage in verse 4 are the most important words, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Who are we? We are those made by God, loved by God, belonging to God. We are precious, honored by God. This is where we derive our identity, our purpose, our meaning, and that we belong to God, and the truth that we are precious to God. With God, there are no X's. God never dumps or rejects us, even when we disobey God or turn away from God. That doesn't mean there aren't consequences to our actions, nor does it mean that God is happy with our arrogance or disobedience or our complacency in the face of the needs of others or our indifference to justice for all. Indeed, God gets angry with us when we hurt others, when we hurt ourselves, when we hurt God's creation. But God's anger is a, always comes out of God's love. It's always an expression of God's love, a love that will not ignore or condone our disobedience, a love that always works to draw us to our true selves, a love that always rushes out to welcome us back. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my sight, and I love you. The words of Isaiah are echoed in the words of Luke 3 at Jesus' baptism, and they're echoed in our own baptisms. The words spoken by the prophet Isaiah 43 and the words spoken at our baptism are also words to remember to hold on to when the waters rise or the fires threaten, and we get scared, as, we, as will inevitably happen at some point or another. Did you notice that in Isaiah's words, he does not say, if you pass through the waters or if you walk through the fire, only when. When the waters rise or the fires approach, as they surely will, remember your baptism. Remember God's love, as expressed in Isaiah 43. Remember, God will never abandon you. 
Instead, God will reach out to anchor you in the rising flood and show you the way through your trials by fire. How does a weary world rejoice? We remember our baptism. We remember that we're beloved and precious in God's sight. We remember because we can too easily forget who we are and whose we are. This is why we're given the opportunity any day to remember our baptism, but especially this day when we recall Jesus' baptism. The world can be a difficult and scary place that can tear us down and make us feel unworthy and all alone. So remember your baptism. But remember this as well. As with Jesus' baptism, our baptism is not an end point. Instead, it is a beginning point. We are claimed by God at the baptismal font and called by God. We are loved by God so that we can freely share that love with God and with others. In our hurting world, there are so many others who need to hear the good news that they are beloved. In our hurting world, there are so many people who need to experience what love has to give. Dr. King, in his famous speech about his dream that we will inevitably hear tomorrow, that is God's dream, that every person would know their worth and dignity, that they would know that they are God's beloved child, whether or not they are baptized. Because God does not start loving us when we come to the baptismal font. No, our baptism is a demonstration and confirmation of God's love that's always been there and always will be there for us and for everyone else. Our baptism is not an end point. It is a beginning. Not long ago, I heard about a man who volunteered each year for over 30 years to work on at least two Habitat for Humanity building projects. A gifted carpenter, he had to take time off his paying job for weeks to do that. Why did he do it? He told this story. He had been a Vietnam War veteran. Returning home from his military service, he struggled to readjust. He had no close family structure, so he drifted town to town, job to job. The one thing he did have was a talent for carpentry, so he usually could find a job in construction where they needed an extra hand. Finally, in a small Midwestern town, he signed on to help build a development of six moderately sized and affordably priced houses. He told the foreman that he would be happy not only to do the carpentry, but to provide security at night, because he brought a sleeping bag and would spread it out in whatever house they were working on, keeping watch at night. And he did that house by house as the six houses were built in that development. The owner of the company was impressed by the man's abilities and commitment, and he was also aware that the man apparently had no other place to sleep. So at the close of the project, almost a year in the making, the business owner took the man aside and said, I want to thank you for what you have done, and I want you to stay with the company. And then he handed the man a set of keys and said, the sixth house is yours. Take it. 
but I can't pay for it, the carpenter said, to which his employer answered, you'll find a way. My volunteer work, the carpenter said when telling his story, is how I have repaid him. At least twice a year, I put a roof over the head of someone who needs it, just as he did over mine. Who are we? Our baptism reminds us that we are God's children, made by God, claimed by God, loved by God, who takes delight in us. Who are we? Our baptism also reminds us that whatever stage or condition in life we are in, we are also God's agents, planted in the world to pay that love and grace forward, sharing the gift that's been given to us. And when we do, then a weary world truly can rejoice. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.